it's so it's too late to rescue you. Uh, the uh, the best wisdom that I can possibly give, uh, the best w wisdom I can possibly give on that subject, nine days, and it's a little late. You should have come to me sooner. Um, the uh, my wisdom would be, uh, you you have to stay out of the way. Now, and I wish you a very happy marriage, and I'm sure you'll have one. But uh, I'm just telling you. Uh, when it comes to marriages, the, the women lose their mind. Your fiance is going to lose her mind. Your mother-in-law is going to lo lose her mind. Your mom is going to lose her, her mind. Several of your sisters and uh, female relatives are going to lose their mind. Welcome back to the Breaking the Jack podcast. I believe we're on episode 30. Now I want to say we, we had some uh, some technical difficulties with our titles. We I think back in the day, we, we uh, duplicated one. It was like episode 18. The next one was episode 18. That was me, Zachary, maybe even Mike Kiss. I forget who it was. But um, we actually duplicated the, the, this last one. We put episode 29, 29 twice. So I think we should be caught up now. So I think this actually is episode 30. But we'll try to step up our numbers game. As always, I'm here with Zach Hicks. Follow him on Twitter at Zach Hicks 2. What's going on, Zach? It's going good, going good. And by the way, the, the big mix-up was actually on me. Uh, every time it's been on me, the, the 18 and 18. I don't know why. I just, for some reason, I just can't get out of the past or something. I just keep putting 29 twice, 18 right. twice. I think we, we actually might have um, skipped one in the past. It was something like that. Something. We skipped one and then we duplicated one. So I think, I think we're good now. I think we're on level playing field. But today we're here with a very special guest. I'm sure you all follow him on Twitter. You're all aware of his work. JR, at JR Draft Scout. What's going on, JR? How you doing? Thanks for coming on. What's going on, guys? Thank y'all for having me on. Uh, no problem, of course, man. I really appreciate it. It's funny because I think back in the day when I started following you, you and I, you might have had a little more followers, maybe like, maybe like 100 or 200 more followers than I did, but you just exploded, man. And hats off to you. I think your account's up to over 8,000 now. Definitely quadruple what I have. So definitely put in the work, put in the grind, and it's definitely being noticed, which is awesome. It's just awesome. a funny story. <laughs> funny yeah, story. Yeah. I actually started my whole Twitter account. <laughs> it just yeah, randomly it started. Of, uh, basket, it was basketball related, if I'm if I'm correct. Well, so what happened was the Vikings were chasing uh, Michael Johnson, oh, the DN from the Bengals, and you know he was a notable guy like three four years mm -hmm. ago, and you know I really wanted him, and they ended up not signing him. Basically, he just took the trip, basically to get a steak. There's like a really good steakhouse nice, in Minnesota nice. <laughs> called Manny's where they take all their free agent possible free agent signees, and basically everybody was saying that. He just came back to catch back up with Zimmer and get a free steak and just go back home. And just get, I was get upset pampered. about that. Yeah, <laughs> I was upset about that. Get yeah. a steak and get out of there. I guess the steak wasn't good enough for him to stay in Minnesota, but yeah, we're, I guess we're not, not. going to talk about that too much. But um, <laughs> Super Bowl, the Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions, and I could not be overjoyed, like, more overjoyed. I mean, it's seriously a surreal feeling. I still can't believe it happened. When Brady took over on that final drive, I, even with there's like 20 seconds left or whatnot, I was like, oh, it's going to happen. He's going to throw a deep heave to Gronk, which almost happened at the end on that last play. I thought Gronk was coming down with that. Fly Eagles fly all day. We're just going to get some Super Bowl impressions real quick. Zach, what stood out the most to you about the Super Bowl? Uh, just that Nick Foles was able to hang with, with Tom Brady the entire game. And, you know, say what you want about the Patriots defense. It was really bad all game long. But Nick Foles, he, I mean, he was throwing dimes. I mean, he was throwing confident, too. I mean, there was no – I think that's probably what stands out to me the most. There was no, like, butterflies or anything with the whole team, especially with Nick Foles, the guy who was a backup the entire year. I mean, he came out, and he was just slinging it from the get-go. That, that deep throw to Alshon Jeffrey early in the game, I mean, how many quarterbacks can make that throw? I mean, he stepped into it with pure confidence, threw it up there, and, and Jeffrey made a play. But, I mean, it takes a lot of guts to, to come right into the Super Bowl like that 
starting what your fourth, fifth, sixth game of the year, and just to have that confidence throwing it all over the place. And I, I think that's what stood out the most. Uh, I think Brady shredding up the Eagles' defense stood out too. I mean, not that it's Brady sh- shredding up a defense, but just that the way that he did it. I mean, the Eagles just couldn't stop him. If the Patriots had one stop on defense, they win the game. And you know what? Same way the other way. If the Eagles would have stopped them or the Patriots earlier in the game, they would have blown them out. So there was a lot of the ways that the game could have gone. But I think Nick Foles just coming out so confident and just slinging the ball around, that stood out the most, man. And he deserved MVP. He deserved everything that he's getting. And I, I hope he becomes a starter or, or whatever because, I mean, he, he looked great in that game. Yeah, Foles just really played in the offense. Um Leadership. He didn't. He didn't bat an eye. He just. He went out there, did his thing, and the the locker room. The, you could just tell everyone believed in each other. And that's that's how you win a Super Bowl. You all have to believe, and you all have to play on the same plane, same path, the same playing field. Really, Jr. With you, what, what? As a Vikings fan, I mean, of course, it had to be a little hard watching the Eagles play <laughs> in Minneapolis. I don't mean to brag or anything, don't mean to boast, but um, just from a Vikings perspective, I were you rooting for the Eagles, and, and really, what stood out the most for you? Yeah, so my dad is actually an Eagles fan. He's been an Eagles fan since 1966. So he's been he's been waiting for this moment for a long time. So I actually was happy that the Eagles won. And, you know, I'm not scared to say it. He actually cried. <laughs> That's how long he's been waiting for I, I, I'm win. still crying to this day. So that. <laughs> yeah, so he was really excited, you know, finally getting to witness that moment. But I'm happy for the Eagles. No saltiness for me at all. I'm over the game at this point. But the thing that stood out to me the most was Doug Peterson's coaching style. Yeah. Just how aggressive he was. And throughout that entire game, he played to win. And we all know the famous play called Philly Special now. That's legendary yeah, in Philadelphia now. So just him not being scared to call the right play at the right time. I think that's what really stood out about the game. And I think it was a wake-up call to the rest of the NFL. And what you saw with Doug Peterson is that he's not scared to go for it on fourth downs, especially when the field position is in his favor. So I think that was a wake-up call to the NFL. We're going to see coaches get more aggressive on fourth down, especially when the ball crosses the 50-yard line and they get into other teams' territory. So that's something that really stood out to me. And something interesting that um, you kind of take away from that, just punters, punters, their role kind of can diminish from that. I'm sure Zach's happy about that. He's not a fan of special teamers. No, but no, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't say I'm not a fan of special teamers. I don't like kickers and punters. Not, okay. I don't, I like special teamers. Yeah, there sorry. you go. <laughs> but um, uh, Doug Peterson, though, going back to even last year's rookie year's head coach, I mean, he, he was still going for it on fourth down. He wasn't as, as successful. And it's kind of, um, it was just frustrating at times. I, I don't know what the Eagles' exact fourth, percent, fourth down um, conversion rate was last year, but they missed a lot of opportunities. They hung a lot of points on the board. You even saw them hang some points on the board. Um, in the Super Bowl against the Patriots with some missed field goals or miscues or whatnot. Doug Pearson, I want to say, is a top five coach in the NFL already. And I'm not I'm not deep into coaches like that, but I, I don't know. Just he, his charisma, confidence, and just the way he handles things through adversity with all the injuries, he's just phenomenal. And I'm really lucky as an Eagles fan to have him as a head coach. We'll, we'll kind of stray away from the Super Bowl right now. With JR on, I just really wanted to get perspective about their the Vikings quarterback situation right now is one of the most overlooked offseason storylines. I think it's a really big deal. And the Vikings, obviously, an NFC favorite heading into next – well, an NFC favorite heading into next season. Of course, the Eagles still have that, that title. JR, so <laughs> you got Case Keenum, Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Bradford, and Kyle Sluter, um, as it's pronounced. With all these guys on the route, it's definitely not a bad problem to have. But how do they attack it? And what are the, really, what do you think they should do? It just seems like such a tough situation. But what do you think the outlook is on that? Yeah, so it's definitely the biggest question of the offseason for the Vikings. You have four great in-house uh, four in-house options currently, three that are pro- 
proven or have played. Kyle Sluter is still an unknown to this point because he just hasn't stepped on the field in a regular season game. Yes, he played very well for the Broncos in the preseason, but of course, it is the preseason. But, I mean, it's just a tough question, and it's a tough decision for Rick Spielman. And I think this is the biggest decision of his tenure to this point. And that's just putting it in layman's terms as far as how big this decision is for him. Um, starting off with Case Keenum, had a phenomenal year for us this year. A really unexpected year. He came into training camp battling for the number two spot with a quarterback called Taylor Heineke, who ended up being on the Patriots practice squad. And Heineke was a favorite coming into the year for that quarterback number two spot. So that just goes to show you how unexpected the year was for Case Keenum. But he came in, him and Pat Shermer, who was now the New York Giants head coach and the Vikings offensive coordinator at the time, they really meshed really well. Um, Sam Bradford went down um, in week one against New Orleans. He had, Or actually, he got hurt after the New Orleans game. He had a knee injury. But he was phenomenal in that week one performance. Lit it up. Finally thought we had our guy after, you know, trade or gift wrapping you guys a first round pick yes, sir. <laughs> um, after, after Teddy went down. But, no, there's a big decision for them to make with Case. Uh, I don't know what they'll do with him because, I mean, his market value has skyrocketed this year just because of his play. Coming into the year and throughout the year, I called him a glorified backup. But he earned my respect throughout the year because he was counted out numerous times and on numerous occasions. And all he did was he just kept producing week in and week out. So that just goes to show you that, I mean, you really don't know with this quarterback situation because will Case regress without Shermer? I think right. that's an unknown. Or was, you know, he was just a product of the system and was this was this the real Case Keenum? And, you know, we saw the guy in Houston and with the then St. Louis Rams. We don't know if he's going to go back to being that guy. So it's a tough situation to be in. Then we go to Teddy Bridgewater, who was their 2014 right. first-round pick. He looked really good pre-injury, but then, you know, he just had that horrible knee injury out of nowhere. And, I mean, it's just the Vikings way. That's what we call it. We have terrible luck. Uh, We finally get a a guy that looks like a franchise quarterback, and then he just goes down with not only (laughs) – it's like we were saying, why can't he just go down with a regular ACL injury, not just something that completely destroys his knee. That's what we call the Vikings way in Minnesota. It's just we have bad luck. But then you get to the outside options, and – Everybody's talking about Kirk Cousins and possibly adding him. We don't really know what's going on on that front. There seems to be interest from him as far as coming to Minnesota. In my honest opinion, guys, I have no problems with adding Kirk Cousins. The thing that gives me pause about Kirk Cousins is his price. I don't know what his price is going to be because he's going to ask for elite money. We saw what Jimmy Garoppolo got today. He got $27.5 million. That's elite quarterback money. I just don't think Kirk Cousins is more than what Alex Smith got. If he wants more than $24 million a year, I'm just not willing to pay that because Kirk Cousins is not in that elite company. And what I classify by elite quarterbacks is that whenever you're in a bad situation or the talent around you is bad, can they still carry that offense? If they can still do that, I think that signifies an elite quarterback or symbolizes an elite quarterback. I don't think Kirk Cousins is that guy. He's a guy that has to have a fantastic supporting cast around him in order to see him to his full potential. And we saw that in Washington, he had fantastic weapons even prior to this year. Deshaun Jackson, Pierre Garçon, Josh Dotson. I mean, those are really good options. Jordan Reed for him to have. So what I would do, I'm really hoping, (laughs) I'm really hoping Teddy's contract does toll 
2018 or this upcoming season, and I actually would franchise tag Case Keenum because I'm a big Teddy Bridgewater fan, but I'm realistic as well. With how bad his knee injury was, I don't think you can go into the next season just counting on him right. and being that pre-injury guy. So I think they should have both of those options in-house. I think the odd man out in the situation is obviously Sam Bradford because right. you just can't invest anything in him because of his injury history or his repeated injury history. He, did, he hasn't had just one bad injury like Teddy Bridgewater has had. So I think Sam Bradford will be the odd man out. And then you go into next season with the training camp battle between Case Keenum and Teddy Bridgewater for your QB1 spot and Kyle Sluter for that QB2 spot. Now, whoever loses that quarterback one battle, I think they should entertain or shop them Definitely. for a quarterback to a quarterback needy team just so you can get some assets from another team for one of those guys. So that's my basic outlook on the situation. But it's definitely a tricky situation and a big question that Rick Spielman has to answer this offseason. I like how you played that. You give Keenum one more year, see if he can really elevate his play even more if he just progresses, which I think most might expect at this point with Shermer gone especially. But Kyle Sluter, that's, that's the most interesting name here. Just the fact that the Vikings held him as a as, – here's their fourth quarterback on the playoff roster, JR. Yeah. That, that, you don't see that very often, so that obviously just shows their confidence in him. And they think I'm sure they think he can develop into at least maybe their long-term backup or maybe even a starter at some point. But that, it'll definitely be interesting to see this quarterback competition kind of unfold throughout the offseason into the preseason. But um, that's enough Vikings talk for one episode, really. Uh, now we're going to kind of take into <laughs> NFL draft. And um, we put out on our Twitter, we're going to be talking about ten, our top 10 prospects. So, Zach, kick it off. Who's your number 10? So my number 10 guy that I have in this draft is edge player Bradley Chubb at NC State. I mean, he, he's the number one edge in this class. You could argue Landry if Landry is healthy because his 2016 tape was so was so dominant. But, I mean, Bradley Chubb, far and away, just showed so much improvement coming into this year. I mean, I think he improved as an athlete even, which is kind of weird to say for, for a player. But, I mean, I think this year he showed more bend than I ever saw. I think he showed more burst than what I saw in 2016 as well. And just his hand usage, he, he's so refined. And he'll, he'll drive players back into the pocket. I mean, he, he's... He's far from perfect. I don't think he's a, like the best athlete ever. I don't think he's an excellent player. But, I mean, if you are looking for a solid edge rusher and you're looking for a guy who you can build around on the edge and will get constant pressure and constant, you know, be in a quarterback's face, in a quarterback's lap, lap all day, Bradley Chubb's your guy. So Bradley Chubb's my number 10 guy. JR, I know you have him much higher on your board. Well, not much higher, but you have him pretty high on your board. You want to just touch on Chubb while we're talking about him? Yeah, you know, he's a guy that actually reminds me of Everson Griffin. That's actually my comp for him. He's a guy that, you know, he bends really well, has heavy hands coming off the edge, very good twitch coming off the edge, very powerful hands. And my favorite game of him to watch was against Louisville. Yeah. Just watching him chase around Lamar Jackson. That just shows how athletic he was. And we all know how much of a freak Lamar Jackson is as far as an athlete, escaping the pocket and running around. And Chubb was able to chase him down on numerous occasions, but him as a pass rusher isn't what only makes him special. He's very good against the run as well and yeah. setting the edge very violently. And that's what makes you a big fan of Bradley Chubb. Yep. So, and Jerry, you have him at number three on your board, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, he's number, number three. three. Gotcha. Uh, I actually, Chubb actually just missed the cut on my top ten. Um, nothing against him. I just like some other guys more. By yourself, Bradley Chubb is the first defensive player taken in the draft. Zach? No, I think Fitzpatrick will be. What about you, Jr? It just depends on if the Colts if the Colts don't trade out, I think they'll take Chubb. Right. But yeah, if the they thing. do trade out, it'll be Fitzpatrick. Gotcha. Uh, I'll start with my number ten real quick. Um, Connor Williams, he's kind of lost a little bit of steam here. He didn't really he didn't finish the season. He was hurt. 
He actually made a pretty speedy recovery, though. Also signs points in being healthy in the preseason through training. I'm sure he'll be at the combine doing drills there. I know you got the invite. The thing that I want to see is just better um, kick out on that speed rush against the speed rush pass protection. But other than that, he has all the tools. He's overpowering. And I think it might have been UJR, actually. I saw someone uh, compare him to Joe Staley, and that's a comparison I, I actually liked a lot. But uh, number nine, Zach, who do you got? So number nine on my board here. Or are we going to go to uh, JR's 10, or are we just going to jump to my number nine? Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, JR saw my body probably Trump. I totally forgot about his 10. I'll go ahead, JR. <laughs> so <laughs> it's all good. It's all good, man. Oh, my 10 is actually Calvin Ridley. Alabama receiver from Alabama do I think he'll go 10 or top 10 in the draft no obviously he's not but as far as an overall prospect I think he's a top 10 guy you talk about a big play threat a guy that's extremely twitchy a very good route runner reliable hands I actually compared him to Reggie Wayne he reminds me a lot of Reggie Wayne from a body frame standpoint and just an ability to get open the age does give you some pause he will be a 24 year old rookie but my whole thing about that is if a guy can give you 10 years of his career, I think it's a very successful first-round pick. Um, do I think he will be a high-end wide receiver number one? I don't believe that. He'll never be a top-end guy of a wide receiver core, but I think he can be one of the better wide receiver two or second options in a receiving core in the entire NFL. So Calvin Ridley is my number 10 prospect. That's fair. And since we're talking about receiver real quick, another, another buy or sell. Uh, buy or sell, there's more than one receiver taken in the first round. I think there will be just because teams get desperate for it. I mean, even years that we don't have a great receiver class, we'll see two, three receivers taken in the first round. So I think it'll be like two or three receivers in the first round. I honestly only have I have two with top 30 grades, but only one with the first round grade. So Ridley's my only yeah. guy with the first round grade. He's my 18th overall prospect. Yeah, I only have first round grades on Ridley and Tate, but I don't, I don't know if we'll see Tate in the first round. He might be able to sneak in with a good combine. Uh, what about you, JR? Buy or sell more than one wide receiver taken in the first round? Yeah, somebody will reach, you know, for a guy like a James Washington or even a, yeah. a Cortland Sutton. I think somebody would reach on those two guys, but I only have one receiver with the first round grade, and that's actually Ridley. Yeah, me All too. Right. All right, so Zach, number nine, who you got? All right, so my number nine prospect is Saquon Barkley, running back from Penn State. Whoa. Now, I know a lot oh, of people, man. yeah, a lot of people would hate this because Barkley is that special athlete, but I think. That's what he really is. He's just that special athlete. And, I, again, I, I don't hate him as a runner. I think what he does in the passing game is freaking special. And I think yeah. there's, I don't think it's like matched at all from anybody I've seen in these last couple classes. I mean, even throwing Elliott or Andy's guys, I think what Barkley does in the passing game and what he brings to you as an athlete is insane. But I, I do have some questions with his vision. I do have some questions with his physicality at times, especially for a 230-pound back. And, again, they're, they're not huge flaws. He's still a top-nine player on my board. It's just that's what kind of pushes him back from being that special, elite, perfect prospect to being like, okay, he, he does some things at a super elite, special level, but how am I going to utilize that stuff? So that's kind of where I am with Barkley, but he's my number nine overall guy. Right, there's definitely some concerns with Barkley, and we'll just kind of mix and match as we go along here. I actually had Barkley number two. I definitely have some concerns. You know, you want to see him hit the hole. You don't want to see him play the um, line of scrimmage shuffle, as I like to call it. But the traits are all there. I mean, trait-based scouting and evaluation, he's obviously going to score high for uh, on those type of scales. Has everything you want, has, has the Latron McCoy comparisons, the Dane Thompson comparisons. But like Zach said, he's 225, 230. You just want to see him play like it. You want to see him attack the hole a little bit more and just, just get down and dirty. You know, he has the build. He has the power. 
he has the contact balance, but he just he doesn't do it for some reason. You know, he likes to kind of make stuff happen on his own, which is never really going to work in the NFL. But uh, Jr., we're talking about Barkley. Where do you have him? Yeah, he's actually my number one overall prospect. I mean, I think he's a freak show. Yeah. That's a simple way to put it. As far as you know, from a receiving standpoint and a running standpoint, I think he's the perfect modern day NFL running back. And everybody's making it a big point about his physicality and his ability to hit it in the hole. But he's not that big bell cow guy you're going to give the ball to 25-plus times a game. And let's just take the Cleveland Browns, for example. You pair him with a guy like Duke Johnson, you can give the ball to 8 to 10 times a game. And then you give it to Saquon 15 to 20 times a game. I think they both can maximize their role in that capacity. But we're at that point now, and we've all been through this, this before, where we get to the point where we're watching so much film, we have to nitpick something about these prospects. And I think we're getting to that point with Saquon Barkley, and that's not to say he does he doesn't have vision issues or vision questions. He does have his flaws just like any other prospect does have, but I think he's far and away the top prospect in this draft. Yeah, and I, I get that too. Like my thing is too, I'm still calling him a top ten, top nine player. I think he's a stud, and I think he's going to be a stud in the NFL. I mean, his receiving ability and the way that he just can hit the hole whenever and just be gone. I mean, that that's something that is special. So I still acknowledge how special he is. He's just a little low on my board just because of a couple flaws. But again, if, if a team took him first overall, second overall, I'd be like, all right, whatever. Makes sense to me. Saquon Barkley's right. beast. So um, no, number nine, yeah, Barkley. I have, actually have Vite Vea from Washington. I know he has some concerns as well. Some people aren't calling him. They're calling him a two-down player. I just really don't agree with that. Um, he has to get off the speed. I mean, 4'8 speed at 325, reportedly at least. That is – what is that? You don't see that. that that's a freak <laughs> show. That's definitely a freak show, JR. I'll use your term. But, yeah, that, Size, athleticism, combination. You just put him, put him at uh, one, zero tech, at nose tackle, put him at one tech, and he's just going to eat. The man's double teams. He, he's just a force off the ball, and you just really can't contain him. Hey, did he make either of yours top ten? Uh, JR, what about you? No, he's actually my 15th ranked player overall, but I think he's a That's very fair. special talent. You know, he's a plug-and-play guy, and you know, the, the most common comparison for him is Danny Sheldon, but I think he's an even better prospect. Yeah than yeah. what Shelton was. He's a guy that reminds me a lot of Haloti Nada as a prospect. Yeah, same athleticism, same build, and I think he's a plug-and-play guy. You can put him at the zero tech in the 3-4 front, or you can put him at a one technique in a four-down front. So his athleticism is is amazing. Right. <laughs> in the bowl game, he actually ran down on kickoff and made a yeah, tackle. Right. That, just yeah. shows you, that just shows you how <laughs> much of an athlete he really is. Impact player for sure. Um, JR, who'd you have at number nine? So my number nine guy is Tremaine Edmonds, the linebacker from Virginia Tech. I mean, this guy is going to light up the combine. You talk about a guy that's 6'5", 250 pounds. He has elite traits. He's a rare height, weight, length combo guy. He can play your 4'3", sandbacker, or he, he can even play your Mike backer. He's your typical modern-day linebacker, a guy that possesses amazing length. He reminds me a lot of Anthony Barr. He puts you in that same mold. He can be an edge rusher or he can be a linebacker. So he's an ultimate chess piece in the middle of the defense, and I'm a big fan of his. Yeah, Edmonds, he didn't make my top ten, but really high on him. I, I would say he even has the highest ceiling among any prospect in this class. I mean, he's only, what, 19, 20 years old on draft day. That's just yeah. incredible, just rare talent. Zach, did he make your top ten? No, he didn't, uh, but I, I do like Tremaine Edmonds. Uh, he's actually – one of my favorite players just because, you know, he's a VT boy. I watch all the VT right. games. I'm, I'm a huge VT fan. I think I just have kind of questions on if he can be a middle linebacker because I think uh, at times instincts weren't really there, and I think right. at times he did struggle with kind of the mental aspect of being a linebacker. But, again, he's 19. 
He's what 245, 215. He moves the way he does. Screw it. I mean, just just take him and and develop him. I I know that VT. I re, I really wanted to see him stay at VT for one more year, kind of selfishly as a fan, but also because right. I I wanted to see him run the defense with uh, Andrew Matuapaka out of there. I wanted to see it be Edmonds' defense and sh- him show that he could play middle linebacker. But again, if if you need a Sam, put him in there. If you need a middle linebacker, I think he's going to take a little bit of time to develop, but he'll be a stud there too. I mean, he just moves so well. He can do it all for you, and he does it at a big, a pretty good size too. And he's gonna he's gonna beat you up. So. I love Tremaine Edmonds, and he just outside my top ten, I think, at like sixteen, I believe, or seventeen, seventeen. Yeah, I'm in a similar spot as well. So we're on number eight, right? My numbers game isn't the strongest. But <laughs> we are at eight. We all, we all win number nine. Okay, number eight. I'll just start. Uh, Darius Geis. I know he's your RB one right now, Zach. But Geis, he, we just need to start giving him some more love. Like I don't understand why he's not up there in that with Barkley in that conversation in the preseason. You saw Barkley versus Geis a lot, and now I've kind of seen Barkley um, straight away kind of separated himself, but. Guys, if you want that workhorse back, you want someone to carry 25 times for you, he's the guy. I think he has a lot of similarities to uh, Ezekiel Elliott. This is contact balance is rare. He, he never goes down first contact. He's barreling over defenders. He has the vision. Athleticism really total package, honestly. I, I know you want to see some improvement from uh, from pass protection, but I think he looks fine in that aspect. Not really fed too much as a receiver, but I think he shows tremendous upside there as well. So Darius Geis, uh, Jr. Where did you have him on your board if you if you didn't make the top ten? I actually have Darius Geis as my number four player. I'm a okay. huge fan. I'm a big Darius Geis fan. The one thing I love about Darius Geis is he's an extremely violent runner. He treats every carry like it's the last carry of his career, and his life depends on it. Um, he does have some questions about whether he can receive out of the backfield, but I think he had 16 catches total in his career. But if you go back and watch the clips, he looks very comfortable catching the ball out of the backfield. He was just hamstrung by that offense because it's more of a power eye or power team. They don't really use the running back as a receiver. So I'm a big fan of Darius Geis, and I think he can be that bell cow guy in the NFL. You can give the ball to 20 to 25 times a game or even more. So what did you have, guys, Zach? I actually think um, we combined our our, uh, top tens actually posted on on the Breaking the Draft Twitter page, and I think – Geis actually was our RB1. I'm not – I'm trying to look right now. And no, he actually wasn't. Just two spots behind Saquon. But anyway, um, Geis, where did you have him, Zach? So Geis is my seventh overall player, my running back one. Again, I, you could argue Barkley was number one, and I would say, yeah, sure. I mean, on any right. day I could switch it. But, yeah, Geis is number one because he, he just hits – he just checks the box on the two spots I look for most in running backs. It's contact balance and how he finishes runs. He's one of the most violent players in this draft. He finishes every single run, knocking a defender backwards and falling forward. I love that about running backs. I think that is one of the hardest things to coach, and I think it's the best thing to have for a running back. And then contact balance. I mean, we see it from all these running backs that are successful in the NFL. Kareem Hunt, Alvin Kamara, Jordan Howard, all of them had elite contact balance coming out. And especially Hunt. I mean, last year, seriously, he would get hit by three, four guys in college, and he would stay on his feet somehow. And that's why when I was watching him last year, I was like, this guy is going to be good. Watch him. And he had a great year. And same again, same with Alvin Kamara and, and Jordan Howard. So contact balance is huge, and, and Darius Geis just does that for me more than any other running back in this class. So that's why he's my number seven overall player and my RB1. That's fair. We're speaking of contact balance, I just got to throw a name out there. John Kelly. Very yeah. similar to Kareem Hunt, I believe. I actually like Kelly a little bit more as a prospect, but... We'll see how that goes. Jared, did we get your number eight? I'm sorry, I'm so clustered here. Yeah, so the guy I got at number eight is actually Baker Mayfield, quarterback from Oklahoma. 
Um, I'm a big fan of his. I'm big on intangibles with quarterbacks. He has that leadership. He has that charisma. Um, there is some questions about him as far as his competitiveness. He has made some, you know, disturbing gestures, as others would call it. But <laughs> I love his... <laughs> I love his charisma. I love his competitiveness. And on the field, he's extremely accurate. Um, there's some questions about can he translate to an NFL-style system. But I think if you get the right coordinator in with him, I think he's a plug-and-play guy from day one. Um, but if he does go into a situation where he does have to sit behind the starter, I think he would be perfectly fine with that. He's a guy I comp to. I think he's a mixture of Jeff Garcia and Russell Wilson. I think he's a perfect mix- mixture of those two guys. But I'm a big Baker Mayfield game, a uh, big Baker Mayfield fan, excuse me, because just how highly accurate he is and his intensity. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Mayfield as well. I actually have him at number seven, and I, I really like the Jeff Garcia comp. I actually saw a clip, I believe it was Matt Waldman posted um, yesterday or a few days ago, but um, it was just some Jeff Garcia highlights. And at first, I thought it was Josh Allen, like a Josh Allen comparison, because um, Waldman in the caption he said, "Who does this remind you of in this?" quarterback class and at first I was like oh Josh Allen and then I, I didn't realize how small Jeff Garcia was I know you know I'm an Eagles fan he played for the Eagles uh, for a couple seasons but I never realized how tiny he was but yeah definitely some some uh, a lot of similarities there Jeff Garcia and Mayfield for you younger listeners go out there and just look up some Jeff Garcia highlights one of my favorite players back in the day but um, I digress number seven we're on so Zach who do you got oh I will answer that in just a second but we are Recently, yeah, we've had so a I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm really upset right now. Yeah, really so upset. we we really the last two pods we've had some news break in the middle of a pod. Last pod it was Alex Smith trade broke right when we were halfway through it, and you got me crying a little bit on here. So <laughs> now now we have uh, yeah. what's the name John DeFilippo? Is that how you say it? Yeah, Offense coordinator yeah. of the Vikings now. So where's your oh, guys' yeah, reactions? It's you two. I love it, man. I'm a big fan of Flip. I've been a big advocate for him and the Vikings Twitter. Um, Love what he's done with young quarterbacks. He's done a great job with Derek Carr in um, 2014. Did a great job with Carson Wentz and now Nick Foles. So I think it's a huge get for the Vikings. I knew it was going to happen. I knew he was going to leave. But I'm happy for him. Good luck to him with Minnesota. Great fit, I think. Especially Kyle Sluter. I mean, that, that's a perfect guy to kind of get that young quarterback up and running and develop. So that's that just adds to the fire there. But um, really upsetting. And I... I I don't know, Zach, you might have to take over hosting, but anyway, go on with um, your number seven prospect. So my number seven we already talked about was Darius Geis, but we, we skipped my number eight prospect because your numbers are a little off right here, John, of course. Dude, I, don't, I don't know. See, you're, you got a host, man. That's what I'm saying right now. I'm so flustered. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. So, so number eight. So, so seven, obviously, was Geis. We already talked about him, but my number eight was actually – uh, my number eight That's was – Ro- Yeah, my number eight was Roquan Smith. Uh, okay. I, I love Roquan Smith. I think his instincts are the best in the class by far. I think his speed to the edge is insane. I think, I mean, he just brings so much to your to your team. And I don't know if he's a pure Mike in the NFL. I mean, he's going to be one of the best wheelbackers in the NFL. He'll be like a Levante David type. He can come in from day one, be like your Levante David, get 100 tackles and five picks a year, whatever, just like David did when he first came to the league. I think he can do that. But I do think he can be a Mike. I, I have some some issues with how he sheds blocks. I think he likes to run around blocks instead of shedding them which has kind of been my big flaw with him, if I have a huge flaw. But, I mean, again, instincts off the charts, and that's always going to win with an inside linebacker. So I love Roquan Smith, and, you know, he, he's a dog, man. He's not he's not Rashawn Evans-type dog, but he, he's a dog. He'll, he'll hit you, even with his smaller frame, and, and I, I love Roquan Smith. So he's my number eight guy, but, I mean, I would take him top five even. That's how much I like him. Yeah, he's a, he's a dog for sure. Definitely lived up to that, the team name there in Georgia. 
actually had um, Smith at number four. JR, what are your thoughts on Roquan Smith, and did he make your top ten? Yeah, I'm actually a big fan of Roquan Smith. He's my number seven prospect. Just a guy that runs sideline to sideline, very instinctive. There is some questions about him running around blocks as opposed to being physical and running through those blockers in his way. But he's a I like to call him a C-ball, hit-ball linebacker. As long as he sees the ball, he's running right to it. Uh, he's a he's a ball magnet, a guy that can create turnovers. Very high football IQ in the middle of, you know, he was the heart and soul of Kirby Smart's defense. Uh, transcended that defense, very charismatic, and that defense fed off of his energy. And that's what you saw in the college football playoffs. He's a guy, I, this is how highly I think of him. I actually compared him to Patrick Willis. He's a guy I think they have, I think they have very, very similar characteristics and traits. And I think he can be a Mike or a Will. Or even a Sam. He can really play all the positions. Right. That's how I, I think he's that special. So <laughs> just imagine him going to, like, the 49ers or something like that, him and Reuben Foster in the middle of the defense. I think that would be a great fit for him. So um, Roquan Smith is my number seven prospect. All right, so I believe if, if my calculations are correct, we knocked out number sevens for all of us. <laughs> uh, so moving on to number six, Josh Rosen for me, he comes in one spot above Mayfield. Really close for me to kind of differentiate between those two. I could definitely – see why someone would prefer Mayfield or why most prefer Rosen. But, um, JR, I'll, I'll let you touch on Rosen more, actually, since you're the quarterback guy here. Um, where did you have Rosen, and, and what do you like about him most? What stands out with him? He's actually my number five prospect. I think the world of Josh Rosen. I think he has franchise quarterback written all over him. Uh, he He's a mirror image of Matt Ryan. And if you guys remember Matt Ryan pre-draft, the biggest concerns about him was obviously his frame. He had some injury concerns, and he turned the ball over a little bit more than what people had liked. Um, but as far as mechanics and his throwing motion, mm-hmm. very advanced. That's the thing that stands out about Rosen the most. I would like to see him speed up his progression speed a little bit more. He stays on his first read a little bit more than you would like. But as far as if you looked up quarterback in the dictionary, Josh Rosen would be right beside that. That's how highly I think of him as far as his mechanics. Um, his intangibles are a little bit questionable. He's going to rub some people the wrong way. Right. And what I mean by that is he has a very dominant personality. He's not scared to voice what he thinks, and he's going to let you know. He's a very straightforward guy, and he's already come out and said he doesn't mean anything by it. He just wants coaches or people to push him to be the best person and best player that he can be. And his personality isn't going to be for everyone. It's going to rub some evaluators and some scouts the wrong way. But I think the team that drafts him, I think they're getting themselves a franchise quarterback. That, that and Rosen, where do you have him, Zach? I know you have him. Pretty damn high. <laughs> yeah, he, he's my number two overall player. I, I love him as a quarterback, like like what you guys have been saying. I mean, his mechanics are just beautiful. His accuracy right. is excellent. It's it's the best in this class. I don't know the off-field issues, so I can't comment on them. I can only comment on what I see on the field, and I see a franchise-caliber quarterback. And that's that's why I like Josh Rosen. I think he can do it all. You know, there, there are some issues. Obviously, he turns the ball over quite a bit. The injuries in the, slider, in the smaller frame are, are issues. But, I mean, just the things he does from a mental aspect on the field and also from a physical aspect on the field, I just think they're unmatched in this class. And, and I would take him top one. I'd take him first pick all day if top I'm the Browns. One. Yeah, top one. Yeah, I was thinking I was going to say, like, top two, top three, like I'm saying with these other guys. But I was like, screw it, one. Yeah. I'd take him one. I agree. I think he should be the Browns' choice. But yeah. I'm, not, I'm not the general manager of the Browns. Number six... Zach, who you got there? I had Vitavea, so we are, we already okay, kind of right, went over right. him. But yeah, I mean, his strength, man, is just beautiful. I love Vitavea, so that's my guy. Jared, who's Jeff's at six? Did we go over that already? I have Minka Fitzpatrick. Actually. Okay. 
That was my sixth guy. Uh, I love Minka. He's the ultimate chess piece on the defense. He can play corner. He can play strong safety. And I think what makes him so special is that he's a very gifted blitzer. And he's a guy that's a quarterback magnet, I like to call it, or even a running back magnet. Whoever has the ball when he's blitzing, he's going straight to them. And he's a guy that, and you're very familiar with this guy, Malcolm Jenkins. I think he's a guy that compares very favorably to him. And I think he has very similar traits to Malcolm Jenkins has. And what makes me so high on him is that Nick Saban has came out and said he's the only guy that's played for him that's ever made him smile. So that really that really shows you how special of a player and person Minka Fitzpatrick really is. Yeah, I really like that Malcolm Jenkins cop. Um, over the past couple of years, you've seen Jenkins play the slot a lot more than he has in years past with Philadelphia, even a lot of linebacker. And I can see Fitzpatrick, if he bulked up a little bit, kind of assume some linebacker responsibility on uh, in certain situations. Minka, I know you have him also pretty damn high, Zach. Where does he land on your board? So, yeah, Minka's actually my number one overall player. I mean, I... I'm a safety guy. Yeah, top one. He is in the top 1% of this board. But yeah, I mean, I'm a safety guy. So obviously the, the grade's going to be a little higher because I love my safeties. But I mean, what can't this guy do? He can play corner. He can play safety. He can play Will Backer if you really want him to. I mean, if you really want to put him in the box, he can. If you want to blitz him off the edge all game, he can do that too. I mean, he, he can literally do everything for you. And to kind of expand on the Saban stuff, I know Saban's talked really high about him, about his IQ as well. And I know Saban's also talked like he's the guy he watches film with. It's basically Saban's little pet. And Saban does not talk highly about anybody. Saban does not like to be nice. He does not like to talk high about anybody. But he raves about Minka Fitzpatrick. And that's just something that's a big plus to me. I just, I, I love this player. I mean, I watched all 22 of him the last couple of weeks. And it's just, I, I don't know what he does wrong. I mean, he's calling out opponent plays before they happen. He's in the backfield you know, from the, from the word go, or he's, you know, all the way down the field, making a pick 30, 40 yards down the field. I just, I don't find many flaws with this guy. So he's my number one guy all day. Yeah. That Arkansas game, I think it was 2016 yeah. where you have that three interception game against Austin Allen, but that one at the sideline, if you guys know what I'm talking about, just tremendous concentration, ball skills. That's just one of the phenomenal players from Fitzpatrick, probably my favorite that I've seen. It's number five, I believe we're on. If my calculations are correct, I'm going to keep saying that. Zach, would you have a number five? So uh, mine's going to be a little out of the blue here, but it probably bumps up just because of positional value. Uh, Orlando Brown, tackle out of Oklahoma. I think his footwork is definitely a problem. I know a lot of people have mentioned that. But just from a size and strength point of view, and I think he's a good athlete too. I get, again, his feet are a little slow. But, I mean, from a, from a size point of view, from he's just a mauler on the left side, and he, he does move very well in space. I, I really like Orlando Brown. I think you can develop him into being a franchise tackle. So he, I, I would take him top five all day. I mean, I, I really like Orlando Brown. He, he has the traits to be a star tackle in the NFL. So your grade on him is more so projection? Yeah, yeah. I, well, actually, I don't, like, again, I don't think he's a bad tackle. I think it's just his right, footwork right. is going to have to improve with speed rushers when he gets to the NFL because, again, with those kind of weird steps that he takes, and, and when you watch this film, you understand his steps are a little weird uh, out of his stance. They're not like the short, you know, they're not the quick steps that you want to have a tackle. But he's going to need to improve that out, uh, against speed rushers in the NFL. But, again, he has all the traits to be a star, and he's already a pretty darn good tackle. I think he can be a superstar tackle just with a little bit of coaching. Yeah, I know his, his dad, I, I wasn't an NFL fan back in the day when his dad played, but I know his dad had a long career in the NFL. Um, JR, who do you have at number five? Who just cracks that top five for you? Yeah, so I had Josh Rosen as five, okay. but on the subject of Orlando Brown, I'm actually on the flip side. I'm actually kind of down on him. He's actually my 29th ranked player. He's just a big projection. 
for me right now. Yeah. He has all the potential in the world. You're exactly right. But as far as coming in from day one, I think he's going to struggle a little bit just because he struggles against speed rushers mm-hmm. because he is a massive man. I mean, he's six foot eight, 345 pounds. I don't think he's going to be a left tackle. I think he's going to be more of a right tackle. He has to be in the quarterback sight line. I don't think he can protect the quarterback's blind side because those speedy guys are just a bit too fast for him. But I think he's going to be a fantastic pro. But it's going to take him a little while. Mm-hmm. I think he has to. I think he's. I would like to see him shed a little bit more pounds, probably about 10 to 15 more yeah. pounds, just so he can be a little bit lighter on his feet. But as far as from a trait standpoint, he has it all there. Yeah, Brown's a guy I have to get to still. I'll show my preliminary board. I have him at 26, but I haven't really dug into him too much, just what I've seen based on my viewings. Um, at number four, I had Roquan Smith. Who do you have at number four, Zach? Uh, Quentin Nelson, guard out of Notre Dame. Nelson. I mean, everyone loves this guy. I mean, he's a stud. Yeah. I mean, he's... Uh, the only reason I have him four is because I, I really like these other three guys ahead of him that much. Uh, but, I mean, he, he is a special, special player. Probably the best guard prospect we've, we've seen. And that's, you know, that's including guys, you know, like Zach Martin, Brandon Sheriff. But they were tackles, you know. This guy's a pure guard. And right, he's right. going to come in day one and be a superstar at guard. And, I, I mean, he's probably the easiest player to project in this class. If anyone has them outside their top ten, I don't know what they're watching. Because, I mean, he, the holes he opens up for, for Josh Adams there at, at Notre Dame, I mean, they were massive. They're, you, you could drive a truck through them. You literally could drive a truck through them. I know you hear that phrase a lot, but you literally could get in a truck and just drive it through those holes that Quentin Nelson provides. So, Quentin, Nelson, Quentin Nelson's the easiest, you know, projection of this entire class. He's going to be a stud in the NFL. Yeah, Quentin Nelson, he was number, he's my, my top prospect in the draft, which is crazy to say for a guard. But, I mean, like I, like I mentioned earlier, just based on traits, I mean, you can't get anyone better than him really he just and i'm not a big offensive line guy as many of you know but he got my juice pumping man like every every rep you expect a highlight block which is just unheard of but um jr nelson i believe you had him at two i'm gonna assume yeah i got him at two i think he's a plug and play starter from day one and it wouldn't surprise me if he's an all pro selection as a rookie i think that highly yeah. of him of course the zach martin comps are the most common but even lance Zerline over at nfl.com actually compared him to larry allen which shows you how, which shows you, yeah, which shows you how highly people think of him. He's an elite prospect, absolute bully in the run game. He takes pride in finishing defenders, especially in the running game, and you see that a lot from his tape. He's very aggressive, can be a little over aggressive at times, but that's actually a good thing in an offensive lineman because physicality and being aggressive are two things that aren't really coachable at that position. But he already possesses those traits, and that's what's going to allow him to get on the field very early. But I mean, as soon as he hears his name on draft night, you can go ahead and put him at the top of the depth chart for that team, whoever drafts him. So I do have a question for you guys, though. Does it scare you whatsoever that every single person who who's like getting ready for the draft, who makes big boards, thinks this highly of this guy? Like the NFL is not a certain thing. This is what scares me about him for for no reason. It's every single person knows he's gonna be a stud. Does that scare you guys right, at all, right. though? Like you know what I mean? Like superstitiously at all? You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely, especially at offensive line. We yeah. all know that's one of the most, outside of quarterback, that's one of the most unpredictable positions to project for prospects. So it does scare you a little bit, but, I mean, Quentin Nelson is so good, guys. Yeah, he is. He yeah. Is. I, I just can't imagine a world where he's not a pro bowler, a perennial pro bowler. I just, I, I think everyone is just locking that up, and I think it's fair to do. But I, I never really thought about that, Zach. It's a good point. I mean, it kind of does make you a little nervous. But I don't know. It's, that's a really good question. And if Nelson doesn't make five Pro Bowls in the next 10 years, I think a lot of us will be surprised if yeah. he's still playing at a high level. But um, number four, who'd you have there, Jared? We might have talked about it already. 
Darius guys. That was my number Darius four guys. Guy. Gotcha. So yep. we'll move on to number three. And I think Zach and I actually have the same player here. So Zach, I'll let you take the, the reins on this one. Rashawn Evans, I believe you had number three. Yep, Rashawn Evans. I I, I yeah. love this dude so much. I mean, he just plays football the way that I want every single player to play football. It's like so mean, so aggressive, just in your face. I mean, I've, I've seen plays where, you know, obviously you don't want them doing this, but like the ball carrier is kind of on the ground already and he'll just lay into a tight end who's oh, just standing that. by. It's just, just yeah, it's that. so much fun, man. I, I know it's probably bad for injuries and we shouldn't be saying that in today's today's <laughs> world of football, but I mean, he, he just wants to hit you. And you, you throw on top of that that he has the instincts, he has the coverage ability, has elite athleticism to play the inside backer position. And then you can just throw him on the edge, and he has the yeah. best bend in the class. He has the best pass rushing moves Real. of the class. I mean, he, he's my edge one if you were to put him at edge because he's that I great agree. of a pass rusher. I, I love Rashawn Evans. I don't have any questions about him. I think you could you could bring him in day one, have him as a, your, like your two-down starting Mike, and then you could throw him on the edge on, on down three, or you could even cover you know a tight end on down three. I, I yeah. really don't have many flaws or questions with him. And you know, just watching the All-22 for Bama this past year, I, it just enhanced my love of this guy. I mean, he will kill you every single play. If you let him have a free shot on your quarterback, you better get the backup ready because your quarterback's yeah. not getting up after that. And I, I love Rashawn Evans, man. Yeah, he's an athletic freak. And, and you know, Jared was talking about Twitch about a couple of players earlier. And Twitch is just what comes to mind with Evans. I mean, I want to say he's the most he's the most Twitch of any player in the class if you can really classify it like that. But just the dog mentality, as you mentioned, the upside is monumental. I think after he blows up the combine, he's, he's a, a lock for a top 15 pick. Um, JR, I don't, I don't think of Evans in your top 10, but what are your impressions of him and where do you have him on your board roughly right now? Yeah, so I got him in 16, but he's a phenomenal player. I love his versatility. Like you yeah. guys alluded to, you can put him on the edge and he can play in the box as well. So I love his mentality as well. Like you guys just went over as well. Um, he has that alpha mentality. He's a guy that doesn't take no BS at all. And he's a guy that when he steps on the field, he knows he's the best player. And that's what's going to allow him to get on the field early as a rookie. I think he can be a centerpiece of a defense. He's a guy that I think he's an even better prospect than what C.J. Mosley was yeah. because he offers more versatility. Um, those guys have similar traits and the same size as well. But I think he's an even better prospect coming out than what Mosley was. Yeah, with, with Evans, I mean, Nick Saban and Alabama have generated some phenomenal talent over the years. But I want to say Evans is, is my favorite of – all these Bama players who should go to the NFL. I'm going to say Evans is at the top of my board among all those guys. Probably a little bold, but that's, that's all right. I'll go with it. So um, we've, we've already covered everyone in our top ten. I'll just run down my list real quick, and you guys can follow suit. Um, one, I had Quentin Nelson. Two, Saquon Barkley. Three, Rashawn Evans. Four, Roquan Smith. Five, Minka Fitzpatrick. Six, uh, Josh Rosen. Seven, Baker Mayfield. Eight, Darius Geis. Nine, Vita Vea. Or Vite Vea, however you want to say that. And ten, Connor Williams. Zach, run down your board real quick for us. Uh, yeah, my ten was... One was Minka Fitzpatrick, two was Josh Rosen, three Rashawn Evans, four Quentin Nelson, five Orlando Brown, six Vita Vea, seven Darius Geis, eight Roquan Smith, nine Saquon Barkley, and ten Bradley Chubb. JR, what do you got? All right, so I got Saquon Barkley at one, Quentin Nelson at two, Bradley Chubb at three, Darius Geis at four, Josh Rosen at five, Minka Fitzpatrick at six, Roquan Smith at seven, Baker Mayfield at eight. Tremaine Edmonds at nine and finish it off. I have Calvin Ridley at 10. Perfect. I think I want to say we had six or seven guys in sync on all our boards, something like that. Um, but listeners, follow us on our new Twitter page at BTD podcast underscore and let us know who, whose board was your favorite. Only if you're going to vote for me, though, respond. But um, 
We're going to move on to some questions just to close out the show. We got a couple here for uh, JR. Um, the first one is, is Vikings oriented JR. So um, this comes from Trey at drop underscore dead 619. That's really not a pleasant Twitter handle. But um, <laughs> would Ido Smith be a good replacement if Jet leaves? I think he'd be um, the, prefer, the perfect complement to Dalvin Cook. Uh, I'm a big Ido fan, but he's a bit smaller than what Jet was as far as, you know, muscle mass size and I'm a big Edo guy, but I like John Kelly a little bit yes, more. John Kelly. And another guy that I like who I think is a splitting image of Jerry McKinnon is Mark Walton from Miami. Those are two guys that I think would be better fits as far as replacements for Jerry McKinnon. But if they do end up taking Edo Smith, he wouldn't be a bad replacement for Jerry. But I think Edo doesn't offer as much in the passing game as what Jerick McKinnon did. Um, Ito, he can catch the ball fine, but he does struggle in pass protection a little bit, and his body probably can't hold up as best as what, or as good as what Jerick's did. So Mark Walton and John Kelly are two guys that I would like a little bit better. Right, and um, Ito Smith, obviously a big combine snub, as we've seen. Um, the list was released a few days ago. So JR, just a quick question for you for me. Who was your top combine snub? I would have to go with Ito Smith or another guy that I actually like is Puna Ford. Yeah, I think Puna Ford was another too. was another snub, a, snub uh, a bit undersized, but he plays extremely hard, has a really good motor. Uh, I'm not sure why he wasn't invited to the combine. I thought he looked really well and uh, trying game and at the Senior Bowl as well. So I think that definitely was a snub. Uh, Zach, you got a top snub real quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trayvon Henderson Trayvon out of Henderson, Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah, my, that's my safety, uh, one of my safety crushes this year. I have no clue how he didn't get invited. I think the thing that upsets me is I had a list of, I think, 50 draft-eligible safeties that I was reviewing or scouting for, for Breaking Football's draft guide this year. And the guy of the guys who got invited to the Combine, I think six of them were not on that list. And I had no clue who those six were. I've wow. never heard, I haven't heard their names from any other draft guy. I have no clue who they are, but Trayvon Henderson, who's been in every mock draft, who went to the Senior Bowl, everything, couldn't get an invite. And, and Troy Apke, or whatever his name is, out of out of uh, Penn, State. Penn State. Yeah, like the third string safety out of Penn State, or whatever he was. <laughs> he gets an invite, but not Trayvon Henderson, who is a really good safety. So that, that kind of upset me a little bit. It's like, if, if you can't climb Marcus down on the depth chart, God. you probably don't have to business being in uh, the combine but um, we're not going to touch on the Penn State secondary anymore last question comes from at Guillermo underscore NFL Guillermo Fausto that's fun to say his question for you JR I'd like well for everyone I guess I know Zach's going to eat this one up but I'd like to hear more about day two and day three safety prospects um, didn't notice anyone really standing out in college football all-star games thoughts JR you can you can uh, run with this one real quick yeah so there's a couple guys that I like this guy really hasn't been getting a lot of notoriety. A lot of people on Twitter especially have been down on him, but I'm a big fan of him, and that's Armani Watts from Texas A&M. He's your typical center field safety, your guy that can come down and run support and you know be very successful at it. He's a guy that's reliable in pass coverage as well. The one thing he does have to work on is his tackling ability. And a guy who I think is a splitting image of him is, you're very familiar with this guy, it's Rodney McLeod. I think he's a, I like very, a lot, I think he's a very similar player to what McLeod is. Um, plays a bit of, out of uh, excuse me. He plays a little bit wild and crazy as far as with his tackling technique. That's why I compared him to McLeod because McLeod does play a little bit out of control as far as coming down in the box or in run support and tackling guys. So I think if Watts works on his technique as far as tackling, I think he can be a very good center field safety. Um, another guy that I like a lot is Jordan Whitehead from Pittsburgh. 
you know, he got off to a bit of a rough start in his tenure at Pittsburgh. Um, as far as this season, he was suspended for three games, I believe it was. Um, but he's another guy that's your typical center field safety that can go back and play that deep middle and be an accuracy eraser as far as, you know, when corners make mistakes or guys make mistakes, guarding receivers and tight ends in the slot, I think he could he can be a guy that is able to come over top and get interceptions. He's also reliable coming down and run support as well. So Armani Watts and Jordan Whitehead are two guys that I really like. Yeah, I like it a lot. Watts, um, Zach and I had a chance to talk to him in Mobile a little bit. I'm really rooting for him. The thing with him, is he's a straight playmaker. Um, I've, I've mentioned it on the pod before. Just, uh, there's a game against Arkansas earlier in the year, and I think he had an interception in uh, over, double overtime or, or overtime, something like that. And another game against South Carolina, I want to say he had another – a forced fumble late in the game or something that uh, turned the tide and kind of solidified that win for Texas A&M. I think that was 2016 season. Watts, the one thing that stands out to me, let me just try and say, he's not the most rangy. He, he has quick feet, but he doesn't really eat up space as quickly as you would imagine. I think that's something Zach and I talked about before, but I'll digress a little bit. Zach, who are your top day two, day three safeties that people should be taking note of? Yeah, so I'll just go quick to this. Wait, 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 before you start, I'm going to restrict you to three because I know you could just spot off like 10 names real quick. So just give me three guys. Well, here, here, I'll give two for day two and two for day three. How about that? Okay. Okay. So, oh, so, so two, two guys for day two. I'm just gonna go quick because you know I'll talk safeties all day. I love my, me some safeties. Justin Reed out of Stanford. I think he's a stud. I mean, he's super athletic, can play the slot, can play deep. He's great in run support. I think Justin Reed, someone's gonna get a star out of him. I would even take him back into first round, honestly. And Kaiser White out of West Virginia. I mean, just yes. a big physical beast. He can lock down tight ends. We saw it all week in Mobile. I love Kaiser White. So day two, take him all day. Uh, two day three guys I really like. Again, I've already mentioned him once. Trayvon Henderson, your pure center fielder. I mean, he, he's not great in man coverage, especially against slot corners. He struggles. He's not the best in run support. But if you're putting back there in center field, he, he's all over the place. I mean, he's so fluid. I love him. And then speaking of fluid athletes, this guy I've been hyping up a lot the last couple of days, Damon Webb out of Ohio State. I mean, probably the best athlete in this class of the safeties, even, even counting Minka Fitzpatrick. He's probably a better athlete than Minka. I mean, he moves so well, and his range is, is unmatched in this class. So Damon Webb, I think, he, if, I think he's a little small, but I think he's got a great role in the NFL as a, as a deep center fielder. You guys covered it well, but Kaiser White, that's the name I was going to throw out. He's my favorite safety prospect in, in uh, the draft this year, I want to say. Um, I have an early second-round grade on him. Definitely was the most standout defensive back um, in Mobile, for sure. But um, we're going to wrap it up. But before you go, JR, I just want to throw a quick hit question at you. Um, who's your favorite draft crush right now? Oh, by far and away, Isaiah Wynn. That was quick. That was the guard quick. from I Georgia. I think about it real quick, but that, you yeah. put down the money there. I'm a big Isaiah Wynn guy, and you guys got to see him down at the Senior Bowl. Yeah. He put on the show down there and he's a guy that's built like a refrigerator short and stout about 6'2 310 pounds but very massive very strong and I think he's a plug and play guy as an interior lineman um I think he's gonna go in the back end of the first round and who knows if he has a really good combine I think he can sneak into that you know 18 to 25 range as far as in the first round so Isaiah Wynn is definitely my draft crush this year I like it I think I'm like I'm working on a mock draft right now I actually have going late first round I'm, I'm a huge fan as well. But um, that'll about wrap it up here, JR. Um, follow him on Twitter at JR Draft Scout. Um, he's putting up some great work, uh, analysis, and scouting notes every day. has a nice scouting journal that I love reading as well. I think that's probably a weekly, a bi-weekly piece that you'll see from him if you follow him. Um, JR, any closing words before you go? 
just thank you guys for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. I love to come back on anytime you guys have me. And likewise, I got to get you guys on the Climb in the Pocket pod here soon. Yes, sir. I got some Eagles fans on there. You don't really want a Redskins fan on there. I don't know how much insight they can provide. Colt, Colt McCoy, QB1, right? Colt McCoy yes. and Alex Smith, best quarterback. Yeah. Um, thanks for coming on, JR. Always welcome, of course. And again, everyone follow him on Twitter at JR Draft Scout. And as always, trust your eyes, not the hype. Thank you for listening.